Well, hi, everybody. Thanks very much for taking a listen to this episode of our podcast. And it's a little bit different. I am the person being interviewed, and it is Frank Morano, who is a radio host in New York City on 77 WABC, a classic, classic radio station originating out of New York City. And as a kid growing up in New York, they were at the time the probably the number one radio station, top 40 radio station in the country, let alone New York. And they had some legendary DJs that we would listen to as kids. And one of the funnier things, and I really do think that this was one of the reasons I have gotten into radio sort of on the side outside of my medical practice, is that on the weekends they had a call-in show where probably from, I don't know, probably 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening till midnight on Saturday, it would be you'd call in, talk to somebody on the radio station, and they would play a song, and then the DJ would come on and say, for everybody listening in Wanto, New York, this is a song going out to whoever. And uh, I would sit with my two sisters, and usually one or two cousins would be over the house, and we would take, uh, we would go back into my parents' bedroom. Now, you know, this was living real big. My parents had a uh, what they used to call a princess telephone. It was a little handheld telephone for those that you are um, old enough to remember the different styles of dial rotary telephones. But they had one in their bedroom, and we would go in there, or it had a long wire. We would drag the phone into my sister's bedroom, sit on the floor, laugh like hyenas, while we were trying to dial through, and it would be difficult. You'd have to you know, dial 15, 20 times before you'd get through. And what we would do is we would make up the silliest names of people, and we would give a, you know, we would pick a popular song that they would probably play in their music rotation and give them the most crazy request that somebody had just come in from another country, they were visiting a lost boyfriend or girlfriend, and the names were a little on the risque side, probably absolutely nothing compared to today's standards of what is off uh, off uh, line, but just a little bit of, really, we must have been 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, so we were pretty much early teenagers, and we would dial and listen to how they would fall for our gimmick, hook, line, and sinker. And we also had, what I had, was a little reel-to-reel tape recorder, a quarter-inch reel-to-reel tape recorder, and we would record the playback of our request and the name, and you'd hear us laughing. I actually do have some of these tapes that I have to somehow digitize these things. But we had uh, such fun, and this was all 77 WABC in New York City. And now here I am uh, talking with Frank Morano. He has a show, The Other Side of Midnight. It airs 1 p.m., I believe, till 5 in the morning, 
cent- uh, Eastern time. And it's four hours and he goes through a, uh, a whole host of different topics and he's got some great uh, interviews with people. But about two months ago, I was just getting ready to go to bed on, on a, a little bit of a later schedule. And in this era of digital radio and all the radio stations are streaming live uh, on the internet, I came across WABC, my old home radio station, and lo and behold, I heard Frank Marano, and he was talking about obesity and food, and I, at that moment, realized he and I are quite aligned in the message or our beliefs, and so right in the middle of the show, I emailed him, or I think I sent him a message through Twitter. I'm not quite sure, but he immediately responded during a commercial and seemed interested in the message that I have with regard to obesity and what we call metabolic syndrome and diabetes and fatty liver and the need to make the public aware of just how big of a public health problem this is. This is the new pandemic, as I like to say. So anyway, so it took a few weeks for us to get lined up, and I did it, um, uh, well, really, it was Friday morning at 2.30 local time. I had to set my alarm to get up, but it was a live uh, interview. It went, I think, really very well. I believe he wants to continue the conversation, so I'll keep you posted on that. So anyway, here is my interview being interviewed by Frank Morano, 77 WABC in New York City, on the other side of midnight. It's a great show. If you're into radio and talk and good conversation and good interviews, I would check Frank's program out. And if you go to the 77 WABC app or the website, you can punch up all of the different podcasts for the station, and the other side of midnight will be there for you. So thanks a lot. Hope everybody is doing well. As always, don't hesitate to send me a message. The easiest way is to go to drjogalati.com. There is a tab there to send me a message. The other, if you want to directly email me, directly, it is radio at drjogalati.com. Take care. Keep listening. We'll see you soon. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Speaking of pizza, we're going to talk obesity with Dr. Joe Galati, an author, a doctor, and a liver expert. Straight ahead. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
This is Strange Way by Firefall. This is a great song. I don't remember what um, what prompted me to want to play this uh, the other day when it first occurred to me. Maybe I heard it or something. I don't remember. But uh, this is a... It's really... It's a, It's kind of a... Firefall is an interesting band. It's sort of a country rock band. Uh, and uh, they, they've got some good songs. This is certainly one of them. All right. Um, if you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on this show, go to and uh, join our Facebook group, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. And uh, if you are someone who is concerned about the future of America, then you have to be concerned about what we are seeing in terms of the rather alarming obesity epidemic in America as a whole, but particularly concerning is the obesity levels that we are seeing among America's young people. That is one of the many subjects we are going to discuss with Dr. Joe Galati, liver specialist, wellness expert, speaker, and author of the book, Eating Yourself Sick, How to Stop Obesity, Fatty Liver, and Diabetes from Killing You and Your Family. Dr. Galati, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Well, Frank, a great introduction. So glad to join you early this morning. So, uh, Dr. Galati, how bad is the obesity problem in general in this country? Well, I would say it certainly is out of hand. There's all kinds of different ways of looking at that. If you just want to look at the, the raw numbers about how many people are obese, Somewhere around 75 to 78 percent of adults are overweight or obese. If you look at the kids, as you mentioned, you want to look at the kids. There's something like 40 million children that are overweight since 1980, which is when they did a a particular survey of this, to now. Okay, 1980 through current time. The obesity rate has tripled in children 2 to 19 years old. If you look at teenagers, it has quadrupled in the last 25, 30 years. Wow. And, and yeah, and so, it, you know, with all of the information, the knowledge, the Internet, websites, and all kinds of stuff that we have, these curves that you look at are going in the wrong direction. People are getting more obese. They're more overweight, and it's leading to more disease. Another Now, you may say, look, this, I'm, I'm a liver specialist. How, do I, how did I get involved in the obesity discussion? Well, there's a disease, a condition which you've all probably heard of called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And so there are between 80 to 100 million people in the United States with fatty liver. That's like a third. And so you have a fatty liver, and this is the leading cause of chronic liver disease, cirrhosis, liver cancer, which most people don't hear about. And it is the leading disease that uh, ends up getting transplanted, getting a liver transplant. And so it's, it's mind-boggling, Frank. Every day I am seeing this, this trail of obese patients, and we love our patients. We're here to take care of them and try to make a change. But they're getting younger and younger. I saw a 13-year-old 
earlier this week with cirrhosis, strictly due to being obese and what the heck this mm. kid was being fed. Mm. So uh, it's not it's not pretty out there. Uh, no, uh, that is really frightening. I want to follow up on a bunch of the things that you said, but in terms of the quadrupling of teenage obesity and the tripling of other youth obesity in a relatively short amount of time. What is your take on what the causes are? I've seen a lot of things blamed over the years from the decline of physical education to uh, a partially hydrogenated vegetable oil to high fructose corn syrup to larger serving sizes uh, being the standard in different restaurants to video games to any number of other things. From what you're seeing and the research that you've done, what are the causes of this dramatic uptick in obesity in, in American youth? Yeah, it really is all of them. I, I, would, I would think if I had to put the most weight on one thing, the it is probably the food. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I think it's the food we're eating. And, it, um, you know, if you look at the, the revenue – from fast foods, just just as one of many barometers out there. In 1970, we spent about $6 billion on fast foods. Today, it's $570 billion. So that, that – I don't care how many hamburgers are being sold. We're spending money on this. So we are eating fast food not for that – once in a while treat that your parents would, you know, put you in the car and you'd, you know, you'd drive to McDonald's, which is sort of my experience of the 60s and 70s, you're eating this breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you're really, really screwing up your metabolism. You're screwing up the bacteria that are in your gut. And you're just taking in too many calories. Uh, Not moving and sitting around watching TV and DoorDash, and you know, you, you you know, you don't have to lift a finger to get food these days. Um, that also is 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 contributing to this. It's it's unbelievable. So with Dr. Joe Galati, you can check out his book "Eating Yourself Sick" and uh, his website in general, which has a lot of great information. It's Dr. Joe Galati dot com. G A L A T I. Uh, Joe, do we know if this is uniquely an American problem? Or are children all around the world getting increasingly more obese and overweight? Or is this one of the areas where American exceptionalism is a negative thing? It's, it's global. And you look at developing countries that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they were sort of living in their own shadow. They were sort of not quite really connected with rest of the world, they were eating their local cuisine. It was rice and vegetables and uh, fish, not too processed. They were not having a um, you know, fillet of fish. They were just eating the fish that their family caught. And uh, with this sort of global market, global economy, the far-flung corners of the world – are now getting processed food, mm. and 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 that alone. You see, um, you know, they, they looked at Vietnam uh, back probably, you know, about. They started looking at this about twenty years ago, 
And they started to see that there was no heart disease, there was no cancer. These were thin people eating a plant-based diet for the mm. most part. They're now getting diabetes, wow. heart disease, hypertension, and, and kidney failure. And, and they're obese. And, and we see them here. We see, believe it or not, Houston actually has a very large Asian community. And a lot of the Asians that are probably second, third generation from those that came in the uh, 1960s, they are indistinguishable from a local American kid as far as obesity goes. So I think it's um, the globalization and every corner of the world is being affected and nowhere really is safe. Oof, wow. Uh, well, so a lot of folks may hear these statistics and maybe even see their child or their grandchild maybe a little on the uh, husky side, and they think, okay, well, you know, he'll grow out of that or she'll grow out of that uh, by the time they're a teenager and they get in the habit of working out a little bit more. It's not really a cause for concern for my 5-year-old, my 6-year-old, my 7-year-old. How concerned should parents be if their younger children in that age range, 2 to 9, let's say, are obese or overweight? I, I think very concerned. And again, this is not the husky five-year-old of 1970. This kid is going to continue to be exposed to fast food, processed food. And let's let's face it. Now, when I, when I wrote the book, I not that I took a lot of flack on on the title and whatnot, but I propose, in general, amongst all the other you know points of view that I've got, and when I see patients is. We have to absolutely get back to the basics of eating at home, learning how to cook a meal that is an appropriate size, that is not processed, that you actually chop up vegetables and, and cook them. Um, and, and, I, and, and families or patients will tell me, oh, you're too unrealistic. People don't want to do this anymore. And I, and I do think that we have lost the ability of number one, eating as a family, number two, having a mother or father or grandmother or somebody in the house organizing the meals to say, let's eat together. And this problem is only going to spin out of control more. So the, the safety breaks that maybe this five, six, seven-year-old may have had is gone. And this problem is just going to, to continue. And we already know that the children of today are not going to live as long as their parents. Now, who can sort of, you know, hug that kid and say, hey, mommy or daddy is doing everything they can to make sure you don't live as long as me. I mean, that is, uh, uh, again, a very dramatic way to look at this. But it's, uh, you know, everybody says, oh, they love their kids. They love their grandkids. What we are doing we are killing them. And so change has to occur. And you may have read the recruits, the army cannot fill the quotas because all of these 17, 18 year old recruits are overweight. And, um, you know, we're going to run out of soldiers. Mm, no, that's not, uh, which is not a pretty, pretty scene. No, no, especially not these days. Talking with Dr. Joe Galati, a liver specialist, speaker and author, uh, author of uh, a terrific book, which uh, you can get on online or on his website, 
called Eating Yourself Sick. In fact, if you have questions, we'll try and squeeze in a few of them. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. You spent some time in your book, Joe, talking about and educating people about what's really in the food that they're eating. Give us a few examples. What what are people eating in their food on a regular basis that they may not be aware of or might not be aware of how harmful it actually is? Well, you know, there's it, it's a huge topic. And the issue is with everybody's talking about trans fats and high fructose corn syrup. But one little trick is that on on the box of food or the can, if if they state a portion size is only let's say two ounces, and I'm just making this up, um, the amount of trans fat does not have to be reported, and you will not find it on the box or ah, the bag. Or the I didn't can. know that. Wow. So they say, well, okay, Frank, if you want to eat X Y Z. A serving is two ounces, which is like the amount you get fit on the tip of your pinky. But because we love a certain food, we're going to have the equivalent of what would be five servings. Well, guess what? There are trans fat. There are high fructose corn syrup, sugars, all kinds of other garbage, which by definition, it's a loophole. They don't have to list. And so you think you're doing something, but at the end, you're really harming yourself. The other thing is that the uh, most – I would say you have to be a better consumer reading not only the labels but the serving size. And, and you would be shocked that a lot of things that uh, – a lot of these uh, like frozen vegetables or the, the one that I always – you know, when I go out to talk, I've got a slide of there is a uh, a a, 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 a it's a, like a mashed potato that they they say oh a serving is you know only a hundred calories and in that bag you have like four and a half servings and I'm like well I don't know about you if I was making that home I'd split it with my wife and we'd eat fifty fifty we'd eat half of it well you just got two and a half right. servings of something. And, you know, more calories, salt and fat than you, you really bargained for. So that all comes down, the being a better consumer, being more aware of uh, serving size, salt, fat. That all comes down to a lot of what you talk about in terms of raising your overall health IQ, right? Uh, yeah, it, it is. And, and I, I, I say that all the time. We've got to raise your health IQ. And um, and that, it goes further than the food. Uh, the, you know, the one thing that I really pick on in the book is people go to the doctor and you weigh in or you get some blood. And the doctor's sitting there going over your, your results with you. And they say, Frank, everything looks good, but you have, you know, just a touch of cholesterol. And you're like, a touch of cholesterol? What, what the hell does that mean? Do I need a medicine? No, Frank, you don't need a medicine. You just have a touch. You go home, your wife, you know, doctor, mom wants to know what's wrong. And you say, I just got a touch of, you know, cholesterol or a touch of diabetes, and I'm not getting a medicine for it. So you don't view that as a problem. Mm. I view it as a big red flag to say your touch of 
cholesterol or a touch of quote-unquote diabetes, you have diabetes. You need to be treated. You need to be put on a diet. You need to be sat down and told something bad is going to happen. And so where, where I'm at in the nature of my practice, people come literally with five and ten years' worth of medical records. Wow. And, and, and now they have cirrhosis. Okay, so somebody, some 50-year-old guy has cirrhosis from fatty liver. And the first question, Frank, how long have you known you've had a fatty liver? Well, let's see. It's 2022. Yeah, about 2008. And I'm like, 2008, why didn't the doctor do anything? Well, he said it's not that bad, just a touch. And cumulatively, especially in liver disease, it's, it's – I say the liver, liver suffers in silence. You don't have any outward symptoms. So you don't feel bad. But you look at the labs. You look at the collection of you got high cholesterol. You've got hypertension. You're overweight. you got a touch of all these little things. But it adds up to a big problem. And, and you know, you come and see me or somebody like me, and you've got advanced liver disease. Your life forever is changed. And the same thing with the kids. And so being a better consumer, raising your health IQ, you have to know that, hey, wait a second, don't accept the blow off from your doctor. If you've got a touch of cholesterol, you've got to sit them down and say, what is the implication? What do I need to do? Uh, Instead Joe, of just saying, eh, you know, it's okay. I'll see you next year. Uh, Joe, in terms of fatty liver, which is a term you've now used a bunch of times, and I've known people that have uh, gone for a physical and uh, they've told me when I say how to go that they've had fatty liver. Friends of mine, coworkers of mine, family members of right. mine. What exactly does fatty liver mean? And if you're not going to go on medication for a fatty liver, if a doctor tells you you have fatty liver, what are you supposed to do? Well, okay. So there's two things. Fatty liver is you have to define it. So we call it non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. That's the one that I'm predominantly talking mm -hmm. about because forever, forever, we knew that people that consumed large amounts of alcohol. Now, you may not be a card-carrying alcoholic, but somebody that has a couple drinks uh, every night at lunch or after work and maybe a little bit more on the weekends, you will get a fatty liver. And so back around 1980 or so, we realized that there were people that had a fatty liver indistinguishable from the traditional alcoholic fatty liver uh, that didn't drink. And mm. so we came up with the term non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. These are the folks of today that have truncal obesity, that belly fat. They've got high blood pressure. They've got a touch or actually diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, the non-insulin type, they have high cholesterol and high triglycerides uh, and high blood pressure. This is your typical overweight American. That, le that whole thing is called metabolic syndrome. That is what is the driver for fatty liver. Now, fatty liver, as I said, leading cause of cirrhosis, liver cancer, liver failure, and the need for a liver transplant. Now, the first thing, well, it, and it can be reduced, it can be reversed with weight loss, and the current data indicates that only a 10% body weight loss will 
improve the situation. Only 10%. That's not a heck of a lot of weight. No, no. So uh, if I'm uh, 220 pounds, if I lose 22 pounds, pounds. which is not uh, unrealistic, that's enough to deal with that fatty liver potentially. Exactly. Now, the main, the killer here, there is out of all these, like I said at the beginning, 80 to 100 million people have fatty liver. The most important thing to do You as the consumer, right, raise your health IQ, you have to know, am I producing scar tissue in the liver? We call it fibrosis. And so if you see your doctor, you see your PA, your nurse practitioner, and they say, Bob, you got a fatty liver, the first question you ask is, do I have any fibrosis in the liver? Hmm. Now, there's a couple of ways of doing it. There are some blood tests that you could get through Quest and LabCorp, maybe through a hospital, that actually can calculate the amount of fibrosis based on some inflammation markers in the blood. The more definitive thing, short of a liver biopsy, is something called a fibroscan. It's a sound wave test that measures the stiffness of the liver with sound, and that will give you within a range of about 80-85% accuracy whether or not this guy sitting in front of you, your aunt, your uncle, your buddy, has the risk of going on to cirrhosis. And if you are in the uh, – well, either way, if you're showing any signs of fibrosis, and it goes from one through four level – Level one fibrosis is mild. Four is cirrhosis. You actually have cirrhosis right now. If you're at F2 or greater, F2 or F3, the likelihood of you getting cirrhosis is quite strong within the next three to five to seven years. So if you're 50 and you have F2 fibrosis, by the time you're 60, getting ready to retire, you you're going to have cirrhosis. Yeah, uh, uh, but you have you have to know that fibrosis score. Having fatty liver is is like saying, you know, there's smoke coming out of your front door. You know, <laughs> like how bad is it? I want to try and squeeze in at least one or two calls here. We're just sure. we're almost out of time, but a lot of folks queuing up to uh, to talk with you. Adrian is on the Upper West Side. Hello, Adrian. Hi, I uh, I had a question about. If you think, if the doctor thinks that maybe some medical professionals are deterred from calling a, a, a child overweight for fear of, you know, being accused yes. of body shaming. Oh, that there, there was a study done probably within the last five years that actual patients, and this was mostly adults, that were obese. You could not find it in the medical record. And when the doctors were asked, they felt that it would, it would create a little bit of friction between the doctor and the patient if I classified you as obese and, as you said, that body image that I'm making fun of you or I'm picking on you. Everybody is fat these days. Why are you picking on me? So we have to get beyond this and call, call it what it is. These kids are overweight, they're, over, they're obese, and we are going to have an entire generation of chronically ill, medicine-popping kids that are never going to make it. They're never going to make it. And I hate to sound so, you know, so uh, dark, 
uh, about this, but it's the truth. The mm. numbers speak for themselves. It's nothing. I have nothing to gain by this. I mean, I want to create awareness and get people in to eat better, be a better consumer, talk with your doctor to say, how the heck are we going to solve this? But I think the most basic thing, step on the scale, Bob, you are really overweight and it's a problem and I'm concerned for you. That's not happening. All right. Uh, we're going to have to end it there. There's a ton of uh, other subjects that I want to go over with you. You're going to have to come back and we'll uh, oh, we'll go over this in the future. Dr. Joe Galati, you can check out his website. It's uh, drjoegalati.com, G-A-L-A-T-I. It's G-A-L-A-T-I or his book, Eating Yourself Sick. Thanks a lot, Joe. Frank, you're, you're a delight. Thank you. Thank you.